Coming up tonight on the Big Footy Podcast, we take a look at the weekend's news and current events. We talk about Alistair Clarkson and his health issues. We talk about the match review panel. We review the weekend's games. We preview the next round. All that and more coming right up. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Wookie. With me here tonight are uh, two fellas from Melbourne. Uh, I've got the uh, somewhat horse messenger. Good evening. And uh, coming to us live from Melbourne, discussing all things Fremantle, I have uh, Seppo. Good evening to you too. And, uh, well, greetings to both of you. Uh, what caught your eye on the weekend, gentlemen? Uh, I was very impressed with Port Adelaide on the weekend. Shame, shame to say, but they they looked ter- very, very good. Um, the Giants, my God, the Giants are really abysmal, really abysmal. It's a worry. They really dropped off a little bit there, haven't they? Uh, dropped off in like falling down a crevasse <laughs> or on top of a glacier, dropping off. Yes, a lot. What about you, Seppo? What did you catch on the weekend? Um, I watched a bit of the Geelong North game, and I sort of come to expect that result. But the um, terrible commentary from Seven on the Port Horse game was the uh, thing that caught not my eye but my ear. Um, and also the uh, the thing that actually excited me and was um, great to watch was the finish of the Carlton Adelaide game. I thought that was a, oh, a, a great was, finish to the um, Sunday round. It was edge-of-the-seat stuff, that last couple of minutes, really. For me, anyway, as a Carlton support, I don't know about the rest of you. But, uh, yeah. yeah. Again, and, and yeah. another you know another week, another siren controversy mm. uh, as well. Uh, did he take, you know, was he going to take the mark after the siren I, any, in any case? I mean, it's... Um, you know, well, it's interesting, interesting reading about the um, the delay between the clock running down to zero and the problem at the MCG where the siren seems to go one or two seconds after you see the clock hit zero. I'm not sure if that's a direct time cleaver's clock or what's actually you know there at the ground or what the uh, telecast is running. But it doesn't seem to be a problem at any other ground when you're watching games on TV or when you're there at the ground you listen to the radio, what they're counting down. It's just interesting to see that. MCG seems to be a bit of delay and obviously the umpires are going to blow their whistle once they actually hear that and if that's two seconds after what the people are seeing on TV people are going to think they're um, causing issues there. I think there's something that is set up. The AFL's come out and been pretty clear that the broadcaster's clock is not the same as the clock the AFL use. Mm. Uh, I mean they've said that quite clearly and the, the umpires are wired to the the uh, timekeepers and stuff so Whatever, whatever the crowd hears, apparently the AFL umpires get uh, the siren through their hit, uh, their earpieces. So, would, would I be correct in assuming that the the siren is still a clock going down to zero, then a man pressing a button? From from the pictures at seven show, yeah. So inherently, there is some delay in that anyway, because from the point where it goes zero to the hand hitting the button. There is going to be some degree of delay. It's never going to be. Uh, we're not having a. We don't have live clocks at grounds. We don't have buzzers that automatically or sirens that automatically go when the clock goes to zero. I mean, there's going to always be a second here or there. Um, Especially if they've got a digital. Because the human digi- factor. If they've got a digital setup as well now, I think the um this is the first year that MCG has changed to that digital siren as opposed to the old. Um, analog or mechanical, whatever the old setup was. So I wonder if with this new setup that's now created the issue that there is some type of yeah, someone might be hitting it when it goes to zero, um, but there is a slight delay. And even you know with a speaker setup, how the actual uh, people hear it at that crowd and on the ground, and then it's up to the umpire to actually blow the whistle and call the game up. And it's just interesting to see if when that siren was gone, when that I think it was um Cameron or that young kid from Adelaide that had a chance to mark yeah, it, Charlie Cameron, yeah, yeah, he he, he should have actually. Uh, taken the mark and it should have been paid because I think the ball was still in flight and, you know, with the rules it would have counted because umpire you, you still had a own. You, you could argue he didn't really hold on to the ball for long enough. No, he didn't hold on no, to the ball no. long enough at all. He dropped it, but that's... Yeah. 
I yeah. think the argument is that if he held it, he would have been paid a mark that he may not have uh, properly earned in the in the time frame allotted. Moving on to uh, other news uh, from recently, and Alistair Clarkson, uh, this is something Messenger can hopefully talk to us a little bit about. He's uh, had a bit of a health issue. He has indeed, not a little bit. He's had a substantial health issue. He's been admitted to hospital today uh, and has been diagnosed with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is a, an autoimmune condition which is uh, affecting, his, it affects the peripheral nerves. Um, it is a very serious condition and uh, it really does belie the fairly optimistic media coming out of Hawthorne uh, today where they said he'll be in hospital for a few days and out for a few weeks. He it, it takes many months, is my understanding, to recover. I don't have any personal experience of it, but certainly from the people who are posting on the site who have actually suffered from it, and there have been a couple of posters who have said that they've had Guillain-Barre syndrome, it's a long road back. Um, it can affect uh, the sufferer quite profoundly, and uh, it could well be that Alistair Clarkson uh, doesn't coach again this season. So uh, it does... Uh, it's a real curveball in, in what's been a, a pretty uh, pretty rough few weeks for Hawthorne. And uh, Brendan Bolton will uh, take the reins at, at, at Waverley now for the foreseeable future. So what, what do we know about Brendan Bolton? Brendan Bolton is a Tasmanian. He, he played his football in Tasmania predominantly with uh, North Launceston. In fact, he captain-coached a premiership at North Launceston in the early noughts. Um, he was a uh, coach in the Southern League with North Hobart, was in charge, uh, an interim coach for the Tassie Devils VFL team, the short-lived one when the players tipped Matthew Armstrong out, and uh, he coached Clarence in the uh, in the Tasmanian State League for a season. But he's been at Hawthorne uh, since 2009. He took over from the ill-fated Barry Mitchell in, in coaching the, the Box Hill senior team two seasons. They played finals in both those years, which is uh, saying something because the, the Box Hill team inherited was not very good. And uh, and from uh, 2011, he's been part of the uh, the Hawthorne coaching team proper and uh, a, a real Clarkson acolyte. I, I think there won't be any uh, miscommunication about what the game plan is. He, he'll, it'll be... Uh, uh, Continue, continue as normal, and uh, he's very highly rated at Hawthorne. So um, I, I think, uh, as, as much as you can say the club's in good hands, I think they've uh, they've got somebody in the fold that's ready to go as a senior coach. Mm, so you don't think he'll put off the players too much, almost receiving the same message from a similar type. Do you know if he's a similar type of person to Alistair Clarkson I, in terms of his I, temperament? I, I, I th- well, I think anybody's probably a bit milder than Clarko, really, isn't he? <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't know to be honest what what he's like as a, as a person, but um, I, I think he's well versed in the in the game plan, and and I guess in these things, one of the hallmarks of Hawthorne is is their predictability to each other. So I, I think from that respect, um, he, he, it, there's going to be some continuity there for the players, but. Look, Look, it's um, it's gonna it's gonna shake some shake some people up, and obviously, Alistair and his family have got a fair bit to deal with now. But um, really, from the from the, the coaches who are there, their, their game now is to get the the players' heads back in the game. Uh, this week uh, we're playing uh, GWS, so um, need to uh, focus on. We haven't had a win in a few weeks now, so we we need a we need four points. Mm. All right. If we go through the results very briefly from the weekend, obviously uh, Friday night Geelong defeated uh, North Melbourne. On Saturday, GWS was smashed by Richmond. Um, we'll get back to that game in a moment. Collingwood uh, defeated West Coast in what was uh, a close game in the end. Uh, Port defeated uh, Hawthorne by 14 points in a relatively close game. Gold Coast got up over the Bulldogs, and we'll get to that again in a minute. <coughs> And at Carlton, as we've uh, discussed, uh, just getting up over Adelaide in a nail-biting finish there at the end. Uh, a couple of clubs had the bye. That was the last of the bye rounds, though, so we're back to normal next week. Um, as I said, GWS and Richmond. Um, GWS started off so well at the start of the year, guys, but Richmond, they really did smash them. I mean, we're talking 113 points in the end. Hmm. It's troubling when you consider how poor Richmond have been over the last few weeks that 
uh, the Giants are, were barely competitive. They well, they kick about five goals for the day. I mean, it's very very poor. And I'm not even sure what's more troubling is the fact that they were beaten. They've been beaten twice by twenty goals, or that they played in front of eight thousand people. Yeah, I suppose when you look at in comparison, if you were to um, compare Gold Coast's season last year, I think their worst loss was only 53 points or something like that. So I think they're well behind in the development. It is worrying sides. Like you said, that they've had two big smashings, and that's only... Well, I can't remember if it was Eagles, the other side, that gave them a good shellacking. It'll be interesting it now was, when yeah. Haw- yeah, Hawks come across them. And I know, Freo, we haven't played them yet, so I wonder if we'll see a couple of more 100-point smashings. And I think I remember reading at the end of last year... Um, they must have been really competitive then as well because I think there was only six results that were 100-point smashings and no team beat another side more than once. So I think they were on the receiving end of a couple of those. But it's just interesting to know that um, you know, we thought this year the ladder's going to be a bit tighter. GWS are going to lift their game and we're getting more competitive results. But they've seemed to really drop the ball and go on backwards there. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you were going to say? No, I, and Hawthorne's record against GWS is one of handing out hidings. Uh, they've, I think, they the first time round they beat them by more than twenty five goals or something crazy like that. So they've they're they're, they're lined up for for a big touch up this weekend. Mm. All right, coming out of the tribunal this week, uh, Gary Ablett. Uh, apparently still in Brownlow medal contention uh, despite elbowing uh, uh, Western Bulldogs' Liam Picken. How did we see that, guys? Well, I didn't actually watch the game live, but I... Um, well, your opinion's the... worthless, then. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I, I was listening to a bit of it on the radio, and we're just watching the um, uh, controversy coming over the Twitter feed, and um, it's interesting, as soon as I heard or the situation, I thought this is going to be exactly like uh, Judd's little stray elbow to... Um, Pavlichin, it's going to be thrown out because he's going to be right in uh, Brownlow contention. And after viewing the footage afterwards, I sort of um, knew it was big. It'd be very inconclusive, and they couldn't really stick too much on that, and they'd take it down to below the force. And it was never in doubt that it was going to get off. Mm. Uh, just, just to relive a little bit of history, Seppo, how many stitches did insufficient force give Matthew Pavlich? <laughs> I think it was uh, four stitches. Yeah, that's right. I, I forgot. Um, <laughs> I don't see why they couldn't have suspended him for that. Uh, based on what they could see, he clearly threw an elbow. Pickens' head clearly got thrown back by the force of it. Um, now, I believe they sent an investigator to the Bulldogs, and Pickens done the old uh, the old traditional thing of, ah, oh, no, I was staging, or it was just a flesh wound or whatever. But, but um, I, I thought... The comment that was uh, most interesting yesterday was that of Mark Thompson when they asked him if uh, the, t- the tables were turned and uh, Ablett hit Picken, sorry, if Picken hit Ablett, would Picken have gone? And he said, absolutely, he would have. So let's not pretend these guys are all playing on a level playing field. The AFL website does say that they uh, apparently found some new vision and then conducted an investigation before deciding that the contact made to the body. Uh, was below that required to uh, constitute a reportable offence. The Bulldogs, uh, Clay Smith and Port Adelaide's Hamish Hartlett, uh, accepted both their one-match suspensions. Uh, I I think Clay Smith's stiff, to be honest. I think he's very stiff based on the fact that um, Cooney got off. Mm, Jeremy Cameron got a reprimand and an $1,800 fine. Uh, Jared Blair, reprimand for hitting Mitch Brown. And Tom Lynch, $900 for hitting, well, for contacting an umpire. Uh, obviously, uh, as talked about earlier, we're going we're gonna to talk about a little bit Gold Coast now. And uh, they just, they keep winning. I think it's the fifth win in a row now. They they got over, up uh, over someone on the weekend and uh... the Western Bulldogs allow me to allow me to assist you the Western Bulldogs thank you and they broke away from them they, they were they weren't too close too far apart at half time and they and the Suns just absolutely poleaxed them in the third quarter but I'm wondering are these guys for real yes. I mean I don't I don't think they were a top four top four team we did but, we did talk about this a little bit last week where uh, you guys yeah. all poo pooed the idea that they're a top four team but they're sitting in uh, in third spot at the moment and, I continue uh, to poo. Sorry, 
I continue to poo-poo. I know, but I'm just saying the facts are they're currently sitting in the third. They've got good percentage. Um, not fantastic percentage, don't get me wrong, but they've got good percentage. They do have a test coming up. I think they've, you know, that, that they've when they've played good sides, I think like they've played Frio early and someone else that gave them a bit of a touch-up. So with, with the draw they got handed, they're sitting sort of where they should be. They've obviously got the surprise one up on North, but... Um, I would have thought at the end of the season, I'd put them in my bottom half of my eight. I think at the start of the year, I said Gold Coast could be a top eight side, but that was really just sneaking in seventh or eighth. I didn't actually think they'd be sitting third currently, but when you look at it, they uh, have got the results they have, and, and they are turning their home ground into a bit of a fortress. And um, maybe they will slip a couple down, but I don't think they're into a stage of their development where they're going to be a real September threat, and they might just be cannon fodder um, slipping into sixth, seventh or eighth at the end of the year. If they get home, Next. if they get a home final though, oh yeah, oh yeah, um, I mean they're gonna. They get... We're talking at least second week of uh, uh, September here. If they get like a Richmond or a Carlton in uh, in eighth spot, mm. I mean they're a shot yes. against Richmond. Obviously against North Melbourne. Yeah, I mean, really, if they, if they've got any one of those teams outside of you know that are currently you know except maybe Sydney or Hawthorne. Uh, or Geelong or Port Adelaide, if they get anyone else, they're a shot. I I don't see them beating Collingwood or Fremantle. Really? You or Geelong? See... No, no. I don't, I don't see them beating Geelong, but Collingwood, I I think they'd be a shot at. In a final, I don't think they could beat anyone that's currently in the top seven. If you include North Eight, yet yeah, they've beat them, and they could probably beat them at home, but. If any of those sides, West Coast, Adelaide, Essendon, Carlton, Richmond, manage to squeak into the eight and they're sitting fifth and they get the home final, you definitely see Suns. But it's a question is, can they sustain what they're doing right to the end of the year and into finals if they're there? And I think I think it's interesting as well, if you look at the ladder, uh, there's only a game separating uh, seventh and twelfth. Yeah. Like, same thing happened last year, that, mid, that mid-table log jam. Uh, with Brisbane clearly at the bottom, so uh, and 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 the, and, uh, and 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 uh, diminishing in our rearview mirror as we go <laughs> on the season. It's the, a, it, it really Gold is. Coast have got a tough six weeks coming up, and then their draw uh, gets much easier again, where they get some of these lower teams on the on the return uh, return leg. But their next six weeks is pretty tough, and if they could get half of those then uh, they're, they're well and truly on their way to say fifth or sixth but I don't see them beating any top four team particularly on the road uh, look I don't even think Gold Coast would expect to be top four at this point no I, I, I seven wins I think is an improvement on where they finished last year they finished with eight wins last year so I think they're on target to definitely improve they're definitely way ahead of GWS at the moment in their development um yeah, I, I I can see that definitely being uh, the, the, they'll be in the finals this year for sure. Just a question yeah. of where and how long they last in them. I feel I, I do worry about the bulldog. When you see the bulldogs, like they just they they haven't they're not they haven't improved, have they? They just haven't improved. They're the same as they've been since what their last finals appearance. I, yeah, I, they've just been hanging around that. Was it Bottom 09 one. or their, their last prelim appearance? They got close and they've really just dropped off and been stagnant almost. Like I think last year they were showing signs, but it almost seems this year they've just lapsed and gone back to what they were but that's, at the start of last year. That's but what Melbourne really have come. done, though. They've shown yeah. glimpses, and but nothing sustained mm. um, since, what, the 2000 grand final? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's... They, 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 they show the ingredients and they just they just feel like the sum is that the entity is less than the sum of the parts. They just don't, they just don't feel like they they come together very well. And um, yeah, I, it, it's it's really really uh, must be distressing for bulldog fans because they're getting all these draft picks in. Their best guys are getting older and older, and and, and the, that generation's lost. That the Jed Syracuse, Murphy. Um, Cooney, Griffin, Boyd. There's a heap of guys that are pretty old now that look like they're tailing off. Uh, Morris. Those guys are those guys are nearly at the end now. All right. So look, the other thing that's uh, come out is uh, the jumpers for the Indigenous round, 
And um, we want to have a quick look at those um, and just I, I want to get your guys' feedback on the, on the jumpers that have come out. Um, there is a thread on uh, Big Footy and the jumpers forum. Yes, and, you uh, and the footy jumpers and graphic 32. design on page thirty-two. You can see them all there in one in one thread. It is a, a fun board that board too. If you ever want to just look around, but uh, okay. you can see all the jumpers there. I, you know, there's a there's a mix of good, bad, and indifferent in the AFL jumpers. I'd like to nominate as good. I'd like to nominate the Crows. Mm. Richmond and Essendon, I think, have done tremendous jobs with their Indigenous jumpers this year. Um, what do you think, Seppo? Um, in terms of my three best, I reckon Adelaide have done a decent job with theirs. They've got great colours to work with. Yep. Um, I think Essendon, and without the bias, I think Freo do a pretty good job, as well as um, I think the St Kilda one um, looks like a nice one and one that I'd probably, you know, if I was a Saints fan, I'd be proud wearing that outside of the ground, at least look good on the screen when you're watching the players <laughs> play. But some of the others are quite indifferent or some guys have really done a real tacky job. And, yeah, it's probably a last-minute decision, I think, for some of these AFL clubs to put these things together or given a six-year-old the job. I think, that, I, think, I think some clubs just tried too hard. Mm. Brisbane, definitely, they just, they put, it, it's so crowded, a jumper. It, I it, mean, it's, there's just... Whereas the Geelong, the Geelong one looks like kids painted it. It really uh, does. Um, the uh, Geelong one is unspeakably bad. And I don't just say that because I love to get my boots into Geelong. It is a <laughs> shocking, shocking job. And the Sydney jumper is not far behind it. The Carlton and, Fre- and uh, the Carlton and Port jumpers, they've gone for the minimalist approach, I think. Um, well, and, it's, and it works. It, 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 they're not it? bad. It's a nod towards Indigenous... And the same with Collingwood. They've done the bare minimum to acknowledge Indigenous round while keeping their um, jumper. And the same uh, with Richmond have done the same thing. They've got their you know bold yellow sash and they've and, got something yeah. in the background with their little dream time at the G. Same with Essendon. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, I mean, I, I think I, most clubs did a reasonable job. Um, Gold Coast, you could take it or leave it, I think. You can see what they've tried to do, but... Um, well, I, I like the Mel. I like what Melbourne did. Yeah, and Melbourne did Hawthorne, a good job. I think Hawthorne have had a pretty good stab of it. I think we need to make one mention of an absolute, absolute <laughs> shocker. And they struggle on the field. They struggle in the stands, and now they struggle in their jumpers. GWS, that Guernsey is Who, it's like my three-year-old son spilt spaghetti on it. Whoever is it in? Whoever is working in marketing and design at GWS just needs to be taken out and shot. <laughs> I, I think I think they stuffed up from the very start. They stuffed up the naming of the club. They stuffed up the branding. They stuffed up the jumper. They stuffed up the colours. And they've stuffed this up as well. You only have to look yeah. at the Gold Coast to see they've done a better job at almost something similar to work with. I, I actually really like the uh, Gold Coast one. I think they've done a good job. And, yeah, it's a real slap-together design for GWS. The, the Gold and Coast it, one is really something Gold Coasty, though, isn't it? it, it it's, it's, it's got the sea, it's got the beach, um, and they've tried to do it as uh, Aboriginal as possible. And they've got a white hand and a black hand, so that's hands across the water and let's all kumbaya <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And, and, and look, a couple of honourable mentions. I mean, I, I think Wookie, you're a bit worried about the North one. You're a bit scared of the North jumper. The North it's one bit... is just garish, in my opinion. It is just way too bright and way too... I don't know what's so... It's it's less Aboriginal than I would like for an Indigenous jumper, to be honest. <laughs> it's, um... it's... I, I suppose it's hard because you're working with those colours. It doesn't really... Um, scream anything if they want to keep their vertical blue and white stripes. I think they've just made it too busy. It's almost in the same basket as a Brisbane one. There's just yep. probably too much yep. going on it. Yeah, and 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 look, one other that I think the, the Bulldogs I think is a fair effort, given that they've done all the Aboriginal work in blue. Yeah, uh, and they've, they've left the red and white stripe there. The Eagles one is. Oh, it's it's quite a nice. The birds. Does, very has, has the Bulldogs jumper actually got Bulldogs Aboriginal player names in it? Is that, yes, it does, that, between the stripes. Yeah, that's, that's a nice touch. And, and Josh Hill is actually written... Oh, geez, it's not a very long list. I can read Nathan Jakura, Cameron Faulkner, Brett Goods. Zephaniah Skinner, my God. Brett Kobe Goods. Stevens is, apparently, Kobe Stevens is Indigenous. Stephen yeah. Coops, Phil Cracker. Alan, Phil Alan Cracker. Thorpe was Indigenous. 
Nicky Winmar played. How many games did Nicky Winmar play for? Jeez, he, he wouldn't have played many. Mm. Not many. Certainly, no, certainly no. no one remembers them. Yeah, because I didn't Les, even know he played for them. Les Bamblett, fantastic. Magic McLean's there, which I think is obviously very important. Um, <coughs> Eagles Swans. Excuse my cough. I'm really, I'm really struggling for the for the listeners tonight. Um, yeah, look, it's it's a mixed bag, but I think some marketing departments we can say lift your game. And yeah, the Eagles, the Eagles one's pretty poor, in my opinion. The Geelong, but the Geelong ones, yeah, screams. Oh, quick! We forgot it's Indigenous round next week. What should we do? Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I love the Saints jumper, but um, it, it really does. Uh, it's the right colours. It's the right design. It's it's a good. It's a good jumper, I think. They didn't overdo it. No. Um, I think, I think they got the brief and went, okay, we can do this. Everyone else has done okay, I suppose. Now, while we're on the subject of uh, Indigenous round, I was uh, actually um, reading some stats about how many Indigenous players are on each list and the total amount. I was actually surprised to see Fremantle actually sitting second overall for all clubs. I'm not sure since the AFL's been in existence or all clubs have been in the comp since the mid-80s, but we've actually had the second most Indigenous players on the list to Brisbane, and currently I think we sit with eight, which is the most of out of any club. I, so, I, I would I would hazard a guess and say that Collingwood would be near the bottom of that list. Hmm. Um, yeah. Have you got a table there, Seppo? Um, I can quickly find it. Just a second. But I know Hawthorne were right down the bottom, I think, and in overall. I'm not sure current. Uh, but... Overall, no, I could believe that. They they probably didn't have a very proud history of recruiting Indigenous players. I think we're being kind in saying that. They might have... Uh, for particularly through the the fifties uh, and sixties, but I certainly don't remember too many Aboriginal faces at Hawthorne until say well into the late eighties. It's, wor- it's worth noting that uh, the poll that's being run on the Big Footy board um, with regards to the jumpers um, has Port Adelaide uh, ahead of everybody else at twenty nine percent over Fremantle and Adelaide, just. Anyway, back to uh, back to players. GWS has no votes in that poll, by the way. Yeah, oh, I don't think right. GWS gets many votes in any poll these days. Oh dear. Maybe the Norwich Rising Star. Oh, here we go. I found it. Okay, so Brisbane have one current player, but they've had thirty-one in the past. Fremantle have eight current and had twenty-eight in the past. You've got Adelaide with four and twenty-seven. Collingwood two current with uh, 25, and if you go scroll all the way down to the bottom, obviously taking out Gold Coast and GWS. Gold Coast do have seven current, so they're doing pretty well. Geelong have seven current, but only 11 in the past, so that's a a really low number. Carlton, three current Indigenous players with 14 in the past. Hawthorne, currently six, 16 in the past, so... Mm. (sighs) It's interesting numbers there. Yeah. It's amazing to see Fremantle, 28. Bris- way in front of a lot of other clubs. Brisbane's one's interesting because I think they had uh, the Northern Territory as a recruiting zone for a little mm. while. And that's a break-up of actually 17 from Brisbane and 13 from Fitzroy. So that's a combined together. So if you purely look at Brisbane as their existence, uh, Frio's well, then well past the next one. Mm. Oh. Yeah, I- I must admit, I don't notice anymore. I just don't no. notice how many Indigenous players teams have. I don't know if that's a, me not caring or, or whether that's just a sort of a, well, you know, that's the way things are and, and these guys earn their spot in the league like everybody else and, and so what, we move on. Mm. Yep. No. It's not such a big deal anymore. Oh, we've been... Because I know uh, we had a, a guy on the rookie list who'd come, not from, he'd come from the APY lands, like he'd come from way, way out and, and to the point where his English was exceeding. Uh, Amos Frank, whose name was, and um, he was, uh, he came out from the APY lands and it was a real uh, effort to um, uh, try and get him into a, 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 a metropolitan lifestyle, not just to, to play league footy. So, uh, but I guess most of the, most guys are being recruited now, uh, coming out of uh, 
Adelaide and, and the Northern Territory, and they're used to play, living and playing in Darwin and play, living and playing in Adelaide and Perth, and, and it's less of a, a transition these days. They're being groomed to be professional athletes. And it's the way it's got to be now that there's such a professional um, expectation required for a lot of these players now, and you can see a couple of failed experiments of these Indigenous guys coming through, but I'm just glad that some of these younger recruits are being fed in early through you know schooling and, and shifting to the city and playing at least some state leagues to get themselves prepared for it. So it's a big jump, really, when you think about it, what it takes to get onto an AFL list. Mm. And talking of failed experiments, a big hello to Dale Garlett, wherever you are tonight. Yeah. Speaking of failed experiments, the uh, Gaelic uh, Athletic Association is apparently going to, well, it seems likely that it will vote against continuing the International Rule Series. Um, uh, which where will... can I send a bunch of flowers to the Gaelic <laughs> Athletic Association in, in thanks? Mm. Uh, according to the Irish Examiner and LiveGaelic.com, uh the uh, head of the GAA expects the majority of counties to vote for ending the series. So uh, that'll leave the AFL uh, with no representative uh, structure whatsoever. Shouldn't you have read that in an Irish accent? I don't have an <laughs> Irish accent. Listen, we, won't be, we won't be doing that little game, that international rules thing anymore. We're sick of it. So <laughs> that, does, that does lead me into uh, an impromptu poll onto uh, the question of the return of State of Origin. Uh, I think it needs to be back on the cards, especially if you're taking that away. But it all depends on the timing and what the players. When, when you, I think they've done the um, run around with a couple of player interviews, and I think most of the players are an advocate for some form of uh, state representative football. And I think it's great they're doing the VFL um, sample, you know, waffle equivalents. I think they're actually running now. I think I might get down to see. The VFL and Stan, Sandful. Uh, I think um, the Sandful played the Waffle this weekend. Yeah, there's uh, a couple weekend. of state rep games coming up, and oh, I think it's great to you know pick the best players them out. Obviously, you've got to work it into the fixture, and it might take more than a year's planning to get it back on the cards. But if there is no international rule series, this is probably an ideal time to reignite that fire and and, and put the, it in front the, and get something over the next few years. Do the players like it as an abstract concept, though? Oh, I think it'd be great. Just don't ask me to play in it. Yeah, it, I, yeah. Think, <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of um, there's a, a little bit of <laughs> a little bit of that going around. I just wonder if uh, it wouldn't hurt if we had uh, a three game series um, at, in the post. Obviously, in the postseason, I don't see any merit from it being any other time of the year um, with. Uh, just WASA and Victorian sides. Um, I know it doesn't seem fair to the others, but if you're going to put on a spectacle that people are going to want to watch, then uh, I think that's how you do it. And you just play, you have them play two matches each, one against each other. You play a game in each state. And, uh, you, you know, shorten the quarters, extend the benches, do whatever you got to do. I, I, just, I just see clubs finding out that their players have uh, the flu. and I, I just think the clubs are going to be dead set against it. Yeah, are... They spend so much time managing the workloads of these guys and then to throw them in to a state of origin situation. And I just... I, I would love it to come back. I would love to see what a Victorian team would look like now. But I just don't think the clubs are going to let it happen. And... And I think that the players are, are going to be conscious of their own futures. I mean, I, I think if they're prepared to go all, halfway across the world for a two-game series and a game that is quite foreign to them, um, that they should uh, be quite happy to play. You know, a game I think or two other in than Australia. The risk. The, the only way that the AFL would get these players is probably to pay them some decent coin for their time because. Like you said, at the end of the season is probably the only time you could structure it in, you know, before players have their mandatory, what the AFLPA set them six, what, weeks. six weeks off, and you probably have to slot it somewhere in between before they leave for holidays after the grand final, and and then all the clubs would be worried about potential injury risks and their programs or whenever they've started if they're out of the finals race early, and and to pull that all together, you have to really put some good thinking in and, and some you know. Re- um, it's a return on investment for all the players and the coaches and the clubs, but that's probably the only way you could make it work is around that time because you certainly want to, wouldn't 
want it mid-season or no. pre-season because it just stuff up so much of the other plannings. And, yeah, and you'd, I don't... you'd get so many players pulling out going, no, don't want to be involved or, yeah, I'm sick, I'm crook, can't play. And it just turned into a bunch of uh, no-name rookies running around. So you've really got to put the effort in and get it at the right time. And I agree. Yeah. You would get a lot of players that would uh, discover that they need surgery in the off-season and stuff like that. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm cognizant of that issue. But I still think it's worth something worth exploring, especially since it provides the AFL as a business with uh, another avenue to get it sponsored, to get it uh, broadcast. That brings in additional revenue. That money can go to the players to a degree. I don't think um, I don't think there's not a business case to be made for it. I I just I think given the amount of time they spend looking after these players and managing their workloads, I just don't see them allowing them to do to play state of origin. I I, I would love for it to happen. I, I just don't think it will. And, I, I... And, we, and part of the joke of international rules was prior to the Indigenous All-Stars concept, we were essentially sending a third-string team over. And we weren't sending a third-string over team by design. There were just that many guys who pulled out or were eliminated by their clubs. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I think it's something that's going to come up again, though, especially if the uh, Irish uh, rules is cancelled. Do we need it, though? I mean, do we need another, like... Do we need a a pinnacle competition above the club competition? I think people would like it. I think the fans like it. Um, that's why even in a, like you get um, the NFL, which is run very similar. There's no you know there's no international competition for it, and yet they still have an all star game. Yeah, but that all star game is 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 rife with the same issues that ours have been. But they still have it because that's, what, that's what it's treated. It's it's treated as an exhibition game, and it should be. That's and that's how Origin should be. I don't expect Origin to be like the yeah, New South Wales and Queensland guys, where their entire season's derailed because of three games. Mm. That's that's not what I'm asking for. I just expect the people to be able to go to a game where the best players in the country are, you know, are teamed up in, in, in a, you know, for, for what is a dream team matchup for some of these people. Mm. Um, and that's all I expect. I don't expect them to go hard at the ball. I don't expect them to, you know, unless they, unless they want to. And I expect them to be well compensated for making, the, you know, the state sides. The, the, the biggest thing missing for me from football at the moment is the state jumpers. So, you know, it's time to see. For me, it is time that the Big V made a comeback. I I don't want to see them put on a Big V and do it, run around and and try not to get hurt for 120 minutes. Mm. No, I that's that's that. not the state of origin football that I remember. Mm. I remember blokes nearly killing themselves for oh, it. I think and we'd I all like to see that. I'd like to see some middle ground where they're not necessarily trying to kill themselves but we get to see some decent skill on display. Um, but, you know, that it may never happen, and, it, it, you know, I'm an idealist in that regard. Anyway, we'll move on. And um, this week's game's coming up. Uh, where are we? I can read them out to you. I've already opened the AFL website. I, I accidentally closed it. <laughs> <laughs> Another Thursday night game. Can't we just get back to the standard? Friday, three games Saturday. They really have got... Game Saturday. <clears throat> we haven't I'm had a normal keen. fixture for weeks. I'm not keen. I mean, I, Monday night, I think we can... Can we please just cross out Monday night and say never again? I I just think it's terrible for, for fans. I'm not convinced about Thursday night. It seems to be more popular, but... I just find myself getting to Thursday and thinking, oh my God, there's a football game on, you know. Yeah. It's nice probably if it's not your team. I don't think my, well, I don't think Freo have played on a Thursday night yet. Um, but for me as a spectator, I'd prefer Thursday nights over Mondays, but I'm not sure how I'd feel if it was my team and I had to go to a game on, on Thursday night to go back to work on Friday for the majority of working population to actually have that Thursday night and what the crowd numbers it would do and eventually would that be seen as a bigger spotlight or you know would it tarnish the the friday night time slot 
Mm. Well, I just, I mean, as a, as somebody who does still go to games whenever I can, I just wouldn't go on Thursday. I just wouldn't. Mm. You know, I've got family commitments and work commitments on the Friday, and and Thursday just wouldn't work for me at all. Friday night, at least you can say, well, you know, it doesn't matter what time I get back from the game. But really, a, a normal starting MCG game, I'm not home before eleven thirty, and you know, I need my beauty sleep. So. Mm. I suppose it all depends on how they actually structure it. You know, we're we're looking this round at Sydney and Geelong on the Thursday. That, to me, screams a nice Friday night time slot. And yet we've got St Kilda Collingwood, which I think could be a quite one-sided affair and a bit of a bore fest for a great Friday night time slot. Mm. Well, Sydney-Geelong is probably the best game of the round. I was about to say, Sydney and Geelong would be game of the round. It's uh, second versus seventh, I think. And just Second versus fifth, so... And just on while we're on victory, why we had these short rounds, why the only game on a Sunday started at 4.40 is beyond me. And why they overlapped. Could... <laughs> the Gold Coast well, could... Bulldogs game overlapped. They had two games, they had one job for that Sunday, and they decided to overlap it. Yeah, it was a little uh, bizarre. Bizarre. All right, the fixture for this round, Sydney Geelong, second versus fifth. How do we think this is going to go? I'm tipping... Favour for Sydney only because their momentum they're getting and now they're starting to form a bit of a buddy tippet partnership and learning their game plan. They're starting to get on a roll and Geelong weren't convincing in their win over North. So on the basis that's played at the SCG, I'm tipping more in Sydney's favour, but we know that Geelong are capable of suddenly switching on and getting back to their best. So I see this as a Sydney win, but I think Geelong's going to really push them and depending on the conditions, they um, might be in for a chance. But Definitely not a foregone conclusion with Sydney there. I believe in the Cats. I do. And, and as, as well as Sydney are playing, I just think Geelong are primed for top four. And uh, I, I reckon they will win this one. Mm, I think the Swans for me. Um, Friday night, St Kilda and Collingwood at Etihad Stadium. For some Kilda. reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is, any, is anyone going against Collingwood this no, no way. No. Uh, <laughs> Melbourne and Port Adelaide at Traeger Park in Alice Springs. Poor Melbourne. No, I actually think this is the type of game, you know, played out in Alice Springs, different, you almost call it a neutral venue. I think Melbourne's starting to get a bit of confidence the way they're playing. This could be a danger game for Port, or Port might go in and get scared, but I still probably tip Port in the end, but I think it's not going to be... Yeah, you know, a landslide victory. I think Melbourne will put up a good fight. Probably, I don't know what the condition of the ground will be, if it will be dewy. It's played in the middle of the day there, so... It'll, um, I don't know how the conditions will be. What, 110 in Alice Springs? Mm. That could be very interesting. I think, and thinking about Port and their fitness-wise and how they run out, I wonder if it's going to be a very slow game because players are trying to conserve their energy. If that's Port's strength, will that play into Melbourne's favour? No, I think Port will slaughter them. Hmm. Port will absolutely slaughter them. Saturday, uh, Twilight, Brisbane versus Carlton at the Gabba. Carlton for mine. Uh, uh, sorry. Carlton. <laughs> Guys, sorry, I heard Brisbane playing Carlton. I just started to feel automatically yawny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's not, no, not going to be the greatest skilled game in the world. I might walk the dog for two hours. Carlton. Okay, dream time at the uh, MCG on Saturday night. Essendon versus Richmond. I think we're both sides are placed on the ladder makes this game interesting, um, especially if Richmond do lose coming off their uh, nice pick-me-up win over GWS. I think they'll just slip right back down. I think Essendon might get up for this one. Is this good night to the loser game this one? Are we going to write the loser off? I think if Richmond lose this, uh, they can pretty much rule themselves out. If Essendon lose this, I think they've got they've got a game in hand on Richmond. So it's yeah, I would say I, so. I, it's it's like getting Essendon. to that point where you've got to win at the or die. Yeah. Same with, yeah, same but, as Carlton. If Carlton can't get up over Brisbane, that's that's their season done. Yeah, I, I I like Essendon but with absolutely no conviction whatsoever. They're pretty close games generally these dream time games, but um, yeah, look, I without any faith, I say Essendon, but yeah, high stakes. Mm. Sunday afternoon, early afternoon, twelve forty at Adelaide Oval, 
Uh, Adelaide and Gold Coast. Ooh. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Isn't it just? Um, both sides form. Adelaide played reasonably well um, on Sunday, and Gold Coast have been playing pretty well. Um, I don't know. This could, this could go either way. I'm cheering Gary Ablett by three goals. Gary Ablett by three goals. If, if, if Gold Coast win this, I mean, I personally think Adelaide should, should probably win this game. Do you change your mind about Gold Coast if they can win a game like this? Because, I mean, I watched Adelaide beat Collingwood two weeks ago at Adelaide Oval, and I would think Collingwood are a much better side than Gold Coast. Gold Coast are, uh, can definitely... I think this is one of those games that they've got to win to assure us that they can actually do something in the finals. Mm. Um, this, this is one of those winnable... Like, they don't have many games that I think most of us consider winnable. Uh, what They've got uh, Sydney next week. Um, they've got... Geelong as well after that, I think. Uh, where are we? Gold Coast. They've got West Coast in Perth. That's winnable at the moment. Um, they've got Geelong at Metricon. That's probably going to go Geelong's way. Um, where are we? Gold Coast. They've got Hawthorne uh, in Tasmania. That's going to go the Hawks' way, you'd think, unless they get more injuries. Well, this thing is left. When you're looking at Adelaide, they're currently sitting tenth, only on four wins. If they beat Gold Coast, it's currently sitting third. Are people going to go? Oh, you know, Adelaide won, and sort of dismiss the fact that they've beaten Gold Coast, or will it be a well-respected win going? Well, they've beaten Gold Coast at home, and they're currently sitting third. Or, you know, it's it's interesting how you actually take the win if it goes either way. If if Gold Coast win, like we said, would just firm up their chance to say, mm. yeah, their finals bound doing really well. But does it go the other way with Adelaide winning? Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. I I must admit, if 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 Adelaide won, I wouldn't be that surprised. To be honest, I. Mm. Just purely because it's at home, I think if Adelaide won at Metricon, I'd probably be take more notice. But yeah. yeah. But as a as a as a home win, you sort of expect them to win, you know. Mm. Even though they lost to Melbourne four weeks ago, so, yeah. Yeah. so, so... Uh, hard to predict Adelaide at the moment. So I think I might tip Gold Coast Suns based on you know what you're going to get with them. Yep. Sunday afternoon, Western Bulldogs and Fremantle at Etihad Stadium. Oh, uh, Seth, is is the Fremantle cheer squad ready? Uh, we're set for this. After a bye week, I'm just dying to get football back, and it's actually been. A good couple of weeks since round three, since we've actually had a game in Melbourne. So I'm finally glad to get the doggies back here on a and a great sort of battle that will be at Etihad Stadium with the roof probably going to be open and um, have a sunlight glaring in my uh, face on that side of the ground. Don't, don't lie, this isn't going to be a great battle. You're going to pump them, aren't you? You're going to actually do terrible things to them. No, I, don't, I think it's going to be a close result. It, I would see us probably about 60 points up some point during this game and take the foot off the break after the bye, run out of legs and let Bulldogs come back and we'll probably win by about 30 or 35 points. So I'm not expecting a flogging. I just think a comfortable, cruisy win after the bye just to get us back on the um, the winner's list. I don't expect a, expect a win by, you know, five or six goals. Nothing like a flogging what Hawthorne would dish out to the Giants. All right, and uh, speaking of which, Hawthorne have got the Giants on Sunday evening at, uh, uh, at the uh, MCG. Sunday, not is this going to be M15 plus? You know, cover cover your eyes, kids. Don't watch this. Oh, oh no, this is there this won't is, be anyone at the game anyway. This is avert your eyes, children. It may take another form. I, I the first time I ever took my my son, eldest son, to we played Port when Port were no good, and we won by 165 points. And he turned to me in the third quarter and he said, Daddy, why aren't those men in white trying anymore? <laughs> and I think that's what's going to happen. I hope for Clarko, I hope Hawthorne take the long handle to these imposters and absolutely poleaxe them. I just brutalise them. <laughs> You're talking I, 20 goals? I, I'm talking 20. I, I will, you know, we, we're looking for history here. We want to see if GWS can lose three by, in three figures, go the hat trick. Having said that, I'm sure I've cursed it and will win by 15 points or something like that. But I, I hope GWS win. Oh, seriously. Yeah, I know you I, I hope yes. <laughs> Actually, more entertaining for me will be if GWS are very close at three-quarter time. 
interesting and, to and see the, what the line is at the moment. <laughs> bricks will be shat if the place is <laughs> record of time. Bricks will be shat. Uh, and the last game of the round, uh, Sunday evening at Patterson Stadium, West Coast and North Melbourne. I'll probably tune into this because these games are always um, dish up something if it's not for what's happening in the coach's box. It's some crazy piece of uh, on-field action with a couple of minutes to go. So um, I'm actually liking North Melbourne this one only because how well they've been travelling on the road, you know, knocking off Sydney and knocking off us. So I expect them to bounce back after that um, effort against Geelong. I don't really rate West Coast, even though they've done a really decent job against Collingwood, but... Um, I somehow think that North Melbourne are going to get up for this one in a real tight battle. Less than a goal either way. I actually thought that West Coast were going to get a pounding by Collingwood. I think I might have predicted an 80-plus point win for the Pies last week. So, um, And I might have called West Coast flat track bullies. But I think this might not be a very particularly flat track for them this week. So, um, yeah, yeah, North. I could see North winning that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they could do. I think West Coast at home, though. Um, all right. Well, that's the round done. And uh, is there anything you're particularly looking forward to this weekend, guys? Oh, no more buys. Just a, a standard round yeah. of games. and almost Except for the Thursday night game, almost a standard round of footy. And just to see those uh, Indigenous jumpers out there, it's going to be great to uh, watch my team run around in their great job. But, yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. Normal footy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, same here. All right, gentlemen, well, thank you for your time and assistance this evening. Thank you very much, Seppo. No worries. And uh, if anyone wants a hot tip, GWS are paying $16 for the head-to-head win. Jesus. And uh, thank you very much, uh, uh, Messenger. Uh, And thank you, um, watch your face, no problem. (laughs) All right, well, have a good night, guys, and we'll see you all on the forums. Bag on, Possibly the complications, especially at night. I worry over situations. I know we'll be alright. Perhaps it's just imagination.